Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Brian Beitler, the Chief Marketing Officer of QVC USA and HSN. Welcome, Brian. Thank you so much, Priya. It's so great to be here with you and with your audience. Brian, you know, I would say that so many companies had such a wild last 16 months with COVID and the pandemic, but you know, the shift to digital, the shift to e-commerce, I would arguably say that it might have been easier for QVC than for some other companies. So what was it like? Tell us a little about what you guys kind of had to do in those early months and days. For sure. Well, easier is always relative. I don't think that anybody had an easy journey during the pandemic because for all of us, regardless of the business that you were in, many of what of the processes and procedures and interactions with the customer had to evolve, even if you were a digitally only business because the way your team members were connected to the business changed, right? So we moved from an environment where we were in the office all the time uh, to a place where we weren't. So what I will say is, is in some senses, because we were digitally native and we weren't dealing with the, the difficulties that brick and mortar retailer had to deal with in terms of you know one of their primary avenues of revenue being cut off uh, in that sense, probably an easier transition, but still had its own complexities for the way that we thought about the business, the way that our associates were engaged, our team members were engaged in connecting with customers. And then again, even the change from a customer perspective and, and the way that they might have shopped for categories, right, shifted their engagement with us and forced us to be agile in the model to reflect really how you know their worlds were changing as well. And even the categories or products or ways that they they may have bought things shifted as well. So um, easier in some senses, but certainly still challenging from a journey perspective. Tell me a little bit about the categories, because, you know, obviously, you know, you're on the Glossy Beauty podcast. We are very um, fervent about beauty and wellness, but, you know, it wasn't just beauty and wellness that really popped. It was a lot of different categories. Could you talk about that? Sure. So you can imagine, right, as we all, you know, cocooned back inside of our home for us, we saw those categories that were really built around creating a sanctuary at home uh, take off. And that included everything from home decor to bringing your gym inside your home so that you could take care of your body and and, uh, your health to evolving even your beauty routines and rituals, right, which you noted as well, this being a beauty podcast a little movement away from color cosmetics and fragrance and into wellness and, and skincare and, you know, taking care of yourself at home. We obviously saw other, you know, other pieces around just, you know, how you, things you might not have thought about, ordinary household goods, you know, vacuum cleaners, things that now that I'm in my home all the time, these other essential items really, you know, really took off in the pandemic as, you know, we were spending more and more time and time inside of our home environment and more aware of it home improvement areas, right? So tools and things that we use to help take care of the home, all of those kind of categories we saw uh, acceleration in as we moved into the pandemic and through it. And then even that extended to things outside my home, right? My space extended beyond my four walls, but to those that were kind of within the borders of my property. So you see gardening, you see other other areas like that transform. And then you know, one of probably the, the other areas and fastest growth for us in the pandemic was in the culinary space, right? So as I stayed at home and I cooked more and I invested more in that time with my family and myself. And so the categories followed in that uh, along those experience journeys as they shifted during the pandemic. 
tell me a little bit about that because it seems like some of those items like vacuums and maybe even culinary products are more necessity. You know, you need them. You realize like, oh, I I need a pan because I need to cook something for my family tonight. And then some of them seem a little bit more ritualistic, you know, like the beauty category or wellness or health. What do you think was the customer was really engaged with like over time? So I think, well, I'm, I'm going to start maybe with the things that we might think are more need-driven and some of the evolution that happens in that space. So, you know, a lot of times, right, you might need to replace your vacuum cleaner, but when you realize I'm going to be the one engaged in it all the time in this way, it evolves maybe the quality or the type or the style or your attention to the type of products that, that you would want to engage with. So we did see, obviously, you know, acceleration in categories around some of our, our more premium products offering as consumers you know, we're looking and had resources to invest in in their home differently. But I will say what we saw from an engagement perspective, right, is, is people were still looking for experiential parts of shopping and buying at, at home. And so when you think about those more um, want-based purchases, whether that's wellness or home decor items, right, or the outdoor expression of yourself in gardening uh, and tools, I think, you know, what we experienced during this journey is people looking to be able to get the kind of experience, the kind of education that they might have been getting at times um, in a retail experience. And we're set up very much from a video commerce perspective to give you some of that social um, experience that happens in the store, which is why we think we saw, you know, again, a large swath of new customers kind of come into this mode is because they were able to get some of the experiences that they they may have had to receive in a retail environment inside of a video commerce world where maybe you're not touching it physically, but I do have a guide. I have a host. I have a person. I'm seeing it put to use. Um, I'm seeing those, you know, those beauty rituals being practiced um, on screen and I can kind of engage in a more deep way in the product experience. What about in terms of the actual programming and scheduling? Because I know, you know, I, I know so many of the brands that you work with and, you know, they are so excited about going to your studio and being there and always on and the numbers on the screen. And like, I mean, it's almost like folklore that I've heard. Um, And all of that had to be remote. So it really kind of challenged, you know, brands to make exciting content in their own spaces, you know, whether it was the Beekman founders or, um, you know, I'm forgetting the brand right name right now, but like Kim from um, Kim the Netherlands, oh, yeah. Kim from the Netherlands who oh, did the whole yep. wildflower um, tulip experiment. I mean, of course, that's like amazing content, but not everybody has that. No, for sure. Well, you know, I'll say, and I'll go back to where we started when we talked about the pandemic, right? This notion of how, how easy was it for you at, at, you know, QVC and at HSN. Well, to your point, Priya, right, much of our business model had been built on bringing these guests from all over the world to come to our studios to tell their stories on air alongside of our, our guests and our, or alongside of our hosts. And all of a sudden, right, that core element of who the brand was overnight had to, had to shift. And it did as we went to this remote environment, which required a remarkably agile content team to move from an entire different way of building interaction between people than what we had done in the past. You, you saw the program on air through your screen or on your small, on your iPhone or on your, you know, your tablet device, but you saw people together telling the nature and the stories back to the Beekman brother, right? The story of their brands and their farm. And you saw that person and I together. Well, now we were going to move them remote, but we still wanted you to feel the same kind of energy and the connection. So um, what I will say is it was a pretty powerful translation and a pretty quick one to saying, how can we still tell our stories and tell the stories behind these products and these innovators and these inventors the way that we want to, but do it in this new reality? What I don't think we anticipated was just how much appreciation 
and how much love would come from our customers in that new model. So back to your your Beekman analogy or, or and or Kim, right? Actually, in some ways, being able to be transported into their spaces made it more authentic and made those guests um, more real um, and in many ways more emotional for our customers to connect with. And so one of the, you know, the, I guess the, the, you know, side benefits of making this transformation is we found a new way to tell stories using remote locations in an even better way to create connections because you're right, we did have to shift how we operated the business and how we thought about telling these product narratives. And, you know, the outcome was in many ways, consumers going, wow, it's amazing to go into the home of a Harry Slacken for candles or into the Beekman Brothers homes or to see Curtis Stone in his environment, right? Or any number, Andrew Lessman, any number of these brands, right, in their spaces uh, versus in our space brought a new level of connectivity and a new level of, of authenticity to the storytelling uh, that we're grateful of and that we might not have made that shift the way we did had we not kind of been required to as a nature of, of you know, this this kind of terrible situation that globally you know, changed the way we all lived for the last 18 months, but in some ways forced us to innovate and to think differently. And in many ways have, has built a new reality, a new normal that I think will be, be able to bring back some of the wonderful things from our past experiences, but really augmented the way that we're going to be able to continue to deliver experiences in the future. As a marketer, I mean, I think, you know, the storytelling piece, like it's almost like gold, like, you know, being with Harry Slacken and with, in his home with the candles or or Kim from Bloom Effects and the, and the wildflowers and the tulips. But I'm wondering, are you going to keep that part of the strategy going forward now that, you know, maybe people can come back to the studio and, and be there like they were before COVID-19? For sure. What, you know, what we see now, right, as we think about how we'll tell the story going forward is we see the opportunity to leverage kind of the best of all of the worlds. There are certain experiences that are just amazing when there are two individuals or three individuals or, you know, um, five in a space together, you know, telling a story or working on a product. You think about the ability of experiencing kind of beauty on hand at the, at the hands of an expert helping you put makeup on, right? There's some real value to that. There's also some stories to your, to your point, right? When you think about being on the Beekman's farm and being able to see that experience that actually enhances the storytelling. So as we go forward, we see you know, we see room for both parts of the experience that, that that our consumers and our customers loved of the past with these guests and the energy of coming into the space and being in the studio together, but also the ability to take the storytelling on the road more easily than we were ever able to take the storytelling on the road in the past. Before, you know, there was these this large production effort, right, of crews and, you know, buses and teams coming into a space to set up and create this this place and way to tell in a, in a remote location. And now we can be in almost any place in the world with an iPhone and a micro, you know, and a microphone, right? And at the end of the day, you're able to take take the stories much more broadly. So we we know our consumers and our customers have loved this. So we have every desire to continue down this pathway of telling stories broadly through, you know, technology and through remote locations, as well as bringing back you know, as, as it makes sense and, and where it can really add value people into the studio to tell those stories. Talk to me about live streaming, because I mean, arguably QVC has been doing this since the very beginning, but you know, that was the buzzword throughout, you know, COVID, you know, how do you get people to adopt the way of shopping that, you know, is popular in China with Tmall and all of that. And so I'm wondering like how, how you're approaching it in, in terms of what is, 
being upped, what is being considered, especially as all these new live streaming platforms pop up and and people are trying to do it on their own sites and people are trying to do it on Instagram. And yeah, tell me what you think. For sure. You know, it's interesting. I mean, live streaming in, in so many ways, it's got a tremendous amount of press and notoriety over the course of this past year for obvious reasons, right? As we all came home and one core way of kind of shopping disappeared for a period of time, right? This new idea or what what was often characterized as a new idea emerged. But in many ways, I'll be honest, Priya, you know, we think about live stream shopping as being around for 40 plus years, right? We look at HSN um, as the original innovator in this space going, look, how do we, through live medium, tell you stories about products and founders and inventors and help you discover things that you'll be interested in? And so in many ways, it's not a new, it's not a new way of connecting with consumers. But what has happened is the number of people who've realized the power of being able to use all of the new technology that does make it much back to our iPhone conversation, makes it much easier to tell stories in this fashion and the platforms that allow you to get those stories out in front of more and more consumers. And that transformation is reshaping how many players enter this space and what it looks like. And it's also allowed us to think about what's our next evolution, what's our next innovation in the space of live stream. And we saw it coming, you know, early on as, as much of this showed up. I think we, you know, we launched on Roku in 2013, seven plus years ago, recognizing as more people installed streaming services and streaming devices on their phone, that this would be another way for our content to be able to get in front of customers uh, and to be able to tell tell the story. So we've been working and over the last several years to really innovate our storytelling in these spaces and to access more of the places that we tell these stories. So, you know, we're now accessible on, you know, devices like Roku and Amazon Fire TV and Comcast Flex, right? We're investing in, you know, the free over-the-top services, whether that's with a Vizio SmartCast or Samsung TV Plus, their own delivery items. So we're looking to continue to make sure that our content and our shopping is available in as diverse of platforms as possible so that a consumer can really access it in at any scale screen or any place in the world that she or he is sitting, whether that's, you know, the 10 foot screen still on the television and still tuning in or they're on their device and they're on Facebook live and they want to be able to shop and engage. We're there. If they're in YouTube, you know, we've built, um, content and we've built applications now to get ourselves into that space. And what, I'm most excited about, if I'm transparent about what's happening in this view, is we th- we look at the at all of these new players as creating a very large scale wave, a new journey for shopping that will just continue to grow and explode. And we expect the live stream, you know, shopping commerce business to explode over the next several years. And so we're putting ourselves in a position to be at the front end of that wave with all of these partnerships from a brand perspective. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Tell me more about the streaming opportunity, because obviously that's something we're all thinking about. You know, I, besides cable, I mean, HBO, Spotify, like so many things that I probably don't need, but have. And I'm wondering, you know, from your perspective, like you guys have recently expanded um, your streaming partners and what you're doing there and also have an app so you can kind of have this always on uh, momentum. So what was that about? Yeah, so for, for us, if you think about, you know, we just launched on Comcast as well with with their new service, right? And the whole, the whole and their shopping services there as their kind of preeminent launch partners. And, and the part of this journey for us is creating a space where the consumer 
can not only just watch our live content that we broadcast, but what streaming allows, like it does on so many other services, whether it's Netflix or Apple, is ability over time to be able to have a curated view of what it is each consumer wants to see. So, you know, our journey is first get our get our uh, content, our live content into these platforms, start to develop special content for them, which we've already started to do. We have you know a great show with Curtis Stone called Cook, Travel, Repeat, which is a very different style show for us than what you might traditionally see on HSN uh, when you were tuned in and telling stories in different ways that really are exclusive in these streaming in these streaming platforms and or looking to build you know new content every day with with partners that can show up um, in these in these curated views where not only does she see what's what you know she would have been watching live but where she can go back through and we can just build a library of on-demand content that she can tune back into gain insights and expertise about assortments and products that that we have in the assortment on an ongoing basis and and be able to learn and be educated and discover new items uh, and shop, but for us, we we think you know that this will become over time the dominant way you'll access right and view not just you know any of the media is happening, but QVC and HSN. Uh, this will become the predominant way that consumers will will engage and access will be through streaming services or through you know apps on their devices. How would you say that some of these other um, you know? players in the market, whether it's, you know, incorporating live streaming on their own site. You know, I know Estee Lauder's Clinique did that with Amelia Clark, as well as, you know, what we're seeing on Instagram Live and and TikTok and and Facebook Live. Like, how does that maybe complement or compete with what you're doing? Yeah, I think, you know, the the complementary part of it, right, goes back to the notion of creating a groundswell of interest and really shopping through live stream, which again, you know, has exploded in China, you know, several years ago and become a very large scale industry and beginning to spill over into the U.S. and into Europe. So the first part is that's complementary is, is it will create more and more consumers who love to engage with, with discovery through, you know, video streaming, right? And, and being able to tune in and, and connect with what we think is so important about this channel, which is just the socialization. You know, I talk a lot about, uh, to the team about how, you know, the old Main Street, what was so powerful about that in the retail experiences was the relationships you built with the shopkeepers and the proprietors of those stores. And candidly, in many ways, shopping was as much about fulfilling a need as it was about passing a time and enjoying recreation. And you went to first Main Street, then to the mall, right, then to the strip mall. And, you know, you were accomplishing many things at, at once. What Livestream does, well, it doesn't have the physical environment. It brings the connection of shopping with people into the experience. And so I think as more and more consumers discover this as more brands enter, we'll see a very large movement from, you know, what we might call e-commerce to v-commerce, right? Which is v-commerce will feel e-commerce will feel flat and static with, you know, images and copy and v-commerce becomes this new way of having that almost social pastime experience of, of discovery. The competitive edge says what allows us to stay out in front, right? What do we think about what's what's our unique superpowers as we consider our place in the market versus others who are going to be emerging into this into this piece? And and what is we do it a little bit differently? So, again, a lot of the emerging spaces have come in either, you know, leveraging, you know, their internal talent or some. If you think about China Start and even Facebook and, and YouTube, a lot of this has been around. Look, we're going to leverage celebrities or influencers with large followings to come in. And because they have a large following, they can then talk about a product and that will help you, that will help you sell. What we've learned over decades is how critical the relationship 
between the host or the guest and the consumer really are. And, and it takes you and harkens back to that Main Street era where you built trust with the person that you bought from. And what's really powerful about our model is it's it's built around that idea of, of we start with, with building trust with the customer and building trust between people. And that's what makes the power of purchasing so much stronger is because now I trust, you know, whether it's, it's you know, one of our voices like David Venable or, or Colleen on HSN, right? We trust that voice to give us good guidance on new products to, the, to discover. And we, we start at that, at that place and that's really powerful. And we think we can take that level of trust into all these different platforms into both, you know, continued long form, but also short form and different forms of video. The other piece that, that we think about in the competitive space is it will, it requires everyone to sharpen their view on, you know, how you personalize for consumers. We know that consumers, you know, want connected and controlled experiences. And so, you know, we're thinking about how do we help her you know, curate um, and see the content that she wants from the, the guests or hosts that she's that she's interested in. But our know-how around how those connection works and and how how the the relationship and the the dialogue needs to happen between the consumer and the and the host to really create critical mass in buying, we think is 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 a space for us to continue to stay out in front for sure. I love that you talked about the host piece because, you know, I think it's fascinating about who works and who doesn't. And, you know, we're seeing this, um, other retailers kind of figure this out. You know, Walmart has done it with their own associates or influencers on TikTok. And, you know, not everybody is a great host. So what makes a great host for QVC? Because, you know, there are the founder types who are wonderful, like a Josie Moran, who like basically moved her family to where the studio is. Um, and then there are other people that you may not have been a celebrity name, but really has that connection with an audience. Yeah. Look, I think there are, there are a couple of things that are really important in, in the foundation of the, of the relationship. One is is a real love for... Um, your your customer and understanding who they are and what they value. I think a lot of times sellers come with a perspective of I've built a great product and you should just love this product. And you know what we find is is looking for for you know host and and for guests that really understand and want to understand the consumer and know how to talk to the consumer. You know at a very transparent and very authentic level. Right, are truth tellers at their core. Uh, in the way that they connect with people. And that when people hear them, they go, I don't believe I'm being sold. I believe I'm just being told or or taught something about um, the product. And because the, the person is really interested in me understanding that. I think the other piece that, that's so critical is how authentic the passion is to the product that's been developed. This is why you see a Josie Marin, right? Someone who has a deep, deep connection to the purpose behind their story Right. And to why they built a product really, really resonate with with consumers. And I think, you know, it's it's hard to find that that's not as easy as you think. Not everybody is really good, um, has a real deep purpose or understanding of, of why they're in the business they're in all the time. And not all of them have a real deep passion for hearing what a consumer has to say and what a consumer is interested in and is as focused on building the relationship with their customer as they are on selling uh, their assortment. And, you know, that's where we start is with how do we build the relationship? How do we build uh, a bond with, with the customer? And it's, you know, it's part of the reason that so much of our business is driven by this, this loyal group of customers, these best customers who just engage with the brand and trust us to bring them new, new items. And I think you need a host, you need, you know, talent that can really think about those, 
connections and that relationship with the customer before they're interested in how much am I going to sell. Um, and it's real, and, and it's really hard when you come from some of the traditional brands where the business is 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 very much focused on hey how how are we going to sell? We've got we've got items or products we want to get in front of the consumers, and they come to live stream with that view. Um, and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy to think about how you build the consumer trust um, first. There's a lot of comparisons right now to what happened in China and live streaming there to what's happening here. I would argue they're still pretty different, um, in my opinion. What about in your opinion? Because, I mean, you know, in China, it is really about those KOLs, those key opinion leaders, those mega stars to drive the conversation and bring their audiences to buy. I don't think that's necessarily the case here. Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of difference between there and here. So they're far more leaned in on on you know on celebrities and and and, and big reach influencers. What I would say is somewhat similar here is that again we're we're leveraging large scale platforms that have reach and going just because you have reach that gives you permission to be successful um, in commercializing product. And those two things aren't exactly the same. And I think that's the difficulty where where we've seen some businesses struggle in the live stream space is because the assumption is, is because I have scale or I have access to an audience, that's what gives me, right, the pathway to success. And the pathway to success is deeper than just reach or audience. It's very important. We're very proud of our reach and our global reach into homes, uh, you know, around the world. But we recognize that that's only one part of the puzzle. And thinking about, you know, the, the, the personalities that are a part of of helping to connect to the consumer and and make the products desirable and interesting. Thinking about the assortments that you build, right? You know, part of the, what we pride ourselves on is finding products and finding, you know, brands that have stories to be told because that's what this medium lends itself to is, is telling stories and making sure we have a, a, an assortment, a curated assortment of brands and proprietors and entrepreneurs, um, both large existing brands and relationships like, like Estee Lauder, who have amazing products with stories to, to tell, and much you know, smaller brands that, that are being developed or relatively new to the market. And, but in all cases, um, you know, thinking about how and what the stories are are important. So I think, you know, again, I think that you know, while they're not as reliant, um, many of the upstarts on uh, you know, on celebrity, some still are here domestically, but again, they're leaning in very strongly against going, look, I've got aggregation of audience, whether, whether, you know, it's, it's channels like Facebook and Instagram, um, or it's big platform players like Amazon, they have large aggregated audiences, but it's, there's more to being able to make a connection, um, you know, through, through a screen than just, I've got an audience watching me. And they know that in their, in, in some of their other parts of the business, it's just figuring out how to translate that, you know, into their, into their model. And again, you know, uh, for us, very comfortable as, as players figure out this pathway, because again, we think it builds the wave. We want to see success and people figure out how to participate in live stream in a way that really works because it will add value to the consumer base and create more space for everybody to grow who's involved in the video commerce business. Right. Well, it's also like you need, well, you need the connection before you ever need the conversion, right? Before anyone will ever consider buying. I'm wondering about the customer base because, you know, for, I've been covering QVC for a while now and HSN as well. And historically it's gotten this rap about, you know, it's an older customer, it's women, women and men over the age of 35, 40, and, you know, it's a different demographic. And the people who are talking about live streaming today is Gen Z and millennial. 
I'm pretty aware that your customer base is getting younger, but how young is it getting? <laughs> so I think, you know, again, here, here's what I would say. You know, it's, it's interesting when you think about the customer. It, it is, we are attracting young consumers. We've always attracted young consumers and it is changing in terms of the average age of demographic um, for sure. But here's what I'll say about, about you know, um, you know, customers and age. What we love is when people fall in love with this model, the reason you see a growth in, in the average age is because guess what? We all age every year. Next year, I'm going to be 49 instead of 48. And if I've fallen in love with a brand or in a business, then next year as a group, we're going to age. That for me isn't the concern. I worry a lot less about um, you know, what's the average age of a business as, as to what's the attraction level at the young end of the business, right? Are we bringing in, are consumers finding value in this way of shopping? And are we attracting consumers to the business that are 20, 30, 40? And then are they staying, right? And what you see is, is this business is, is you know, been around for 35, 40 years. It was really good at creating loyal customers. So sure, when the brand first got its start, we were bringing in a lot of 30 and 40 year old customers, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, a lot of those people who joined with us early, guess what they're doing? They're still shopping. They're still engaged. This is a brand for people who really love shopping, who value expertise and education in the buying process, who, you know, want to be entertained and have fun along the shopping experience. And so, that way of shopping is very relevant across a, a large group. And, and we're paying attention to go, how do we make sure we have the right curated assortments that we're in the right platforms and in the right places? Because at the end of the day, the way is relevant to everybody. We just have to match the product and the place that we show up to that group. And we feel very good about our, our continued prospects for growth. In terms of newer or younger customers, which however they kind of are sliced and diced, you know, are there certain categories that they're gravitating towards? Because I know on the beauty side, you guys have done an incredible job recently of onboarding a lot of really buzzy indie brands, a lot of brands via the big find. Are there areas that they're like more um, peaked, I guess, if, in terms of wanting to find what you guys are doing? Yeah, you, you, you know, it's, it's, this is a perfect, right? This is a perfect conversation to have on, on this podcast because you, you highlighted it, right? Beauty is one of those categories that have been very successful for us across reaching and attracting customers who are younger. Uh, again, not that, not that you know we don't have customers who come in of all age groups into the beauty category. We, we we certainly do each year have new customers who come in, but we have been thinking about how do we attract the right indie brands? How do we do unique partnerships? We we actually executed a partnership with Birdie.com, um, which you may be familiar with, which we were really excited about because again that was about bringing their editor in chief into our platform on QVC two to share stories and edit some of their perspective on the best beauty brands, both both indie and well known from a marketplace. We also streamed to their audience through through their website. So um, from a category perspective, beauty certainly provides access to us. Um, you know, some of our other spaces that, that have been successful as you as you think about this audience is, you know, home decor and culinary, some of these spaces, fitness as we moved into this journey. So there are a range of those that that lean obviously to the younger subset, but again, at the end of the day, almost every category can have breadth. It's just about finding the right products and the brands, and that's part of as you referenced, the big find is all about is bringing brands across categories that have diverse appeal across um, you know consumers and age groups, so that we can continue to keep this brand vibrant across every generation. 
In terms of table stakes, you know, we're talking a lot about innovation and like future and forward thinking. I'm wondering, you know, what baseline does this customer expect? Because I imagine even in beauty, it's efficacy, it's newness, it's, I mean, it can't just be buzzy. It has to work too. Right. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I look at the, the core, right. For me, maybe I'll characterize it around a couple of things. And, and, you know, part of it is interesting, right. It's in, you know, if I think about QVC and HSN, I think about the Q name, I'll, I'll start with what you, with what you were kind of ending with is this idea of quality, right? So it can't just be new or novel, right? What we value is, is consumers want things that work and that, that they value. We pride, you know, we pride ourselves on the fact of, of a relatively low return rate, right? The notion that when people get a product from us, it's something that they can trust and it's something that they keep um, as part of the as part of the experience. So certainly, the customer ex- expects more than just novelty. They from us, they expect that you know that's novelty that's been tested. We test products for obvious reasons, right? We, you know, every day we want to make sure that that what we're providing to the customer is you know we're not just relying at times on on you know a, a vendor or a partner who supplies something we want to make sure we're going to put something in in their hands that they value so quality is is obviously very very important i think you know the component of value you know part of what we've been famous for is bringing you pretty remarkable values on brands that you care about um, as well in this experience and i think you know i think customers are savvy today right they want to they want to know that what they're investing of their own resources makes sense and what they're getting is is good value for the dollars that are invested. And then I think, you know, we come back and go, if we can meet the quality and the value standards, now let's think about new and novel and, and where we can introduce customers to new things that they're not familiar with and that things that they may not have heard of, but once they discover um, might be life-changing for them, might create a new experience in their home or with their family um, that is meaningful and is valuable from an experience perspective overall. So I think, in, you know, in that regard, um, it is, as we think about the customer's experience, right, those, those traditional values of really winning haven't changed. Good quality at great value that's interesting and new and can help improve my, my life at home. I would say as their consumer's expectation continues to evolve, they do want to be more in control, right? They want to have greater you know, personalization. We also want our privacy, but we, 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 you know, we want brands that also deliver to us things that we're interested in and or give us a way to help curate and be mindful or in control of that group. So as, you know, as we think about our future and our evolution, it's about continuing to put more of that control and, and give consumers a way to, to, to be able to take charge of the content and the products and the assortments uh, that are curated for, for themselves because that is still something that has a high degree of value and will have an increasing value as we go forward. Last question for you, Brian. I'm wondering, you know, when you think about the world opening up again, especially here in the U.S., right? You know, people are going out, people are having dinner, people aren't wearing masks. You know, do you think that we're going to see, at least for your business or any of these businesses, the relevancy it had in these last 18 months? Do you think there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off and then go back to normal? Like, where do you see all of this fitting into IRL in real life again. Yeah, it's it's interesting as as we return to what to the new normal, which is hard to prognosticate about what that new normal is exactly. I have no idea. I have no idea. Going to be because if you can figure that out and you can tell me, it'll be a remarkable um, experience. But I will say this: look, we know that some of these new behaviors that we have adopted will will last. Like I think about my own interaction 
inside the professional environment of talking with companies, I can't imagine having a conference call again that's not on video. I think about my own interactions with my own children, right? Pre-pandemic, a lot of those conversations for children that were far away were on, were on phone handset. Almost everything is video. So we know this view now of video and this comfort level of having, you know, uh, we're having, we're on a podcast conversation, but we're looking at each other on a screen while we have this journey, journey right? Um, I think those things continue to evolve. I know people will go back to the stores. I'm excited for them to go back into retail environments, but we are going to continue to see an acceleration of these digital trends. We are going to continue to see more and more people shopping, you know, and, and expecting delivery or buying even online and picking up even the retail environment change. They may not actually go into a store. The store may just be a point of distribution. I'm sure that there will be changes that will come and that we will transition back into. But my expectation for sure is that we will have a, a very robust growth in the video commerce live stream business going forward, and it will be rapid and expansive. Thank you so much, Brian. It was so wonderful having you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And if you know someone or more than one who should be listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, please have them subscribe. See you next week.